Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment, but and running the boards is Joey D's. Ohio. 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 It's a state of mind I don't know if I want to be in. It's a state you can drive to. On today's show, we will be talking with author Suzanne Ackerman about her book, The Deliverers. We'll get into a little bit of uh, Matrix Resurrections news. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or just search more? PJ Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app, and you'll find us. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Lots of ways to get a hold of us and uh, send us some information uh, if you want to, or uh, you know, at the very least, give us a uh, some feedback on our podcast. Give us a five star. Give us a upvote. Uh, give us a thumbs up. I don't know. Smiley face. Smiley face. If your app uh, does does that, and if you can give us reviews, go ahead and do so as well. Really do appreciate all of those. Uh, let's get right into our interview today because our guest is on the line with us today. Is a really good friend of the shows. Uh, she has board gamed with BJ and us in the past. And she still talks to us. I know, right? That's amazing, <laughs> actually. Suzanne Ackerman is with us. And in addition to being one of my favorite people at one of the local zoos down here in uh, Tacoma, Washington, the Point Defiance, um, you have now added a, uh, a author to your repertoire, to your resume. And we've got the book. It's uh, The Deliverers, and it's available on Amazon now. And um, congratulations on publishing a book. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm happy to be here. Now, Yay. tell us a little bit. Um, first off, just uh, what is this book about? So the book is set in sort of a near dystopian future, and it revolves around a female protagonist who's kind of feisty and fighting her way through the world. And her dog companion, who's a, a faithful Fido, always by her side. <laughs> and she is basically a supply runner and is the person who can find anything for anyone. So she takes on um, jobs, hooking up people with things they're looking for, which brings her into a lot of strange situations. But she has a bit of a mysterious past that haunts her that un unfolds as the book goes along. And as we as we start the book and as we start getting into it, she goes by the name Tuesday Devlin, which was a recreation of herself at this point, right? Yes. So at the beginning of the book, you don't know who she used to be, but you know that her name wasn't always Tuesday and um, that that was what she chose to call herself when she decided she was going to be a new person. And the book is called The Deliverers because she herself is a deliverer. And like you said, um, she goes out and she has a knack for finding things. And it turns out that uh, when when you're dealing with the uh, the uh, not necessarily the end of the world, but it is a rebirth of the world as we've seen it. Um, certain people need to have certain skills in order to continue on, because a lot of the times the, the stuff that they maybe were good at previously uh, just is no longer needed. 
Exactly. So there is a bit of world rebuilding happening all around her. So the setting in that case, I didn't want to go totally wild. Um, so it's a fairly realistic view of some potential problems that people could come across as they're, you know, if this world, uh, new world were to happen. Um so it's not totally like fantasy sci-fi. It's still a somewhat of a realm that you might be able to view yourself in 10 years down the road. Yep. And it is set in the Northwest. So those who are familiar with um, the Tacoma or all the way up through the Bellingham area might recognize some of the places that Tuesday visits along the way. Uh, right is right at the start of the book, we start off uh, up in Bellingham at Western Washington University, which was kind of a fun way because you're describing things. And even if you're not from the area, you like your writing is very good. So you can get a good sense of what you're dealing with in terms of what you see, what's going on, um, the degradation of what would happen after about 10 years, because things aren't a complete collapse. It's not like the fallout universe or something where it was like, like a huge thing. This is based uh, a little bit in the reality of what we're dealing with now. And so moving that in 10 years into the future, seeing what happens and exactly how things could play out. It felt that like you, you did a fair amount of research on this. It seems. Well, I was writing it right at the beginning of the pandemic so when everything shut down and I was stuck in my house, I was still going to work, but, um, and I, but I had a little bit more free time on my hands. Um, I had been reading a book that is wildly popular and I thought, well, I'll just read this book too. And I thought it was terrible. I couldn't <laughs> stand it. And I think it was because I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, but it was, they were constantly having sex. And oh. I didn't know that that's what the book was about. It was Outlander, if any of you guys are familiar <laughs> with that. Like, okay. I just didn't know that's what it was. So at that time, then I started saying, like, well, there's a good story here underneath, but the characters won't stop having sex. So maybe <laughs> I could just, like, I could write a story where there's a good story. And if it turns out that I don't like how the story is going, I'll just add in a whole bunch of sex. And then apparently it becomes wildly popular, like Outlander. Um, so that was, I was like coming up with this idea in the middle of the pandemic. So I was thinking a lot about like, what potentially could happen if this pandemic really went out of control? What if we really did lose something like a billion people on the planet? What kinds of, how would that really play out? And the character that I chose um, to be for this to center around was Tuesday Devlin. And I made her into a deliverer because I'm sure you guys remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there were all kinds of weird supply chain problems. We couldn't yeah. get toilet paper for crying out loud. And uh, we like somebody couldn't find wheat flour within 50 miles of their house. And uh, so I thought, well, what if you were the person who could find those things for somebody and built that story around her and of course her sidekick dog because why not yeah right um <laughs> so that was how it was it was born uh, and i called the character tuesday because of course i kept in the back of my mind well i can always just throw back in the sex parts if i really get bored of writing this and tuesday uh, um in in my world tuesday is date night and so oh, tuesday that's adorable <laughs> there should always be you know some 
some intimate times on Tuesdays. So I called her Tuesday. And finally, after I was pretending that I was going to write this, I finally just said to myself, okay, I have to write it. I just, I'll sit down and write it and see what comes out. And um, yeah, and then I, more than a year later, it actually was a book. That's amazing. And I mean, a lot of people have taken sort of uh, hobbies on the pandemic and uh, kind of figured out themselves that they've been going along. Uh, myself, it was literally building a new room in my uh, in my in my garage, essentially, at this point in time. You took to writing. And I love that. I love the fact that it's there. It's a nice big book. But at the same point, you know, almost 300 pages. Uh, that's that's a lot of work to put into it. Yes. And I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. So I would like <laughs> dabble the first couple months. Well, during my um, regular job, the first couple hours, I have sort of some mundane, I wouldn't say mindless, but I'm not like, I don't have to focus as much. So I would spend a couple hours while I was cleaning at my job, thinking about what I was going to write. And then I would go home and I would write down whatever I had thought about. Um, but I was sort of slow about it. And then when I did the math and I figured out that an actual novel has to be or should be somewhere between 70,000 and like 120,000 words. Cool. And I started to realize I'm only writing 200 words a day. I will never finish this novel. <laughs> then I, I decided I had to get serious about it if I really wanted to actually make it happen. And that, I would say, was almost harder than spinning the story together itself and choosing the words was making myself sit down mm -hmm. and do it often enough that it would come out as a book in a reasonable amount of time. Well, and that's one of the big things that when we've talked with Christina Horner, uh, one, of, uh, one of our good friends, she uh, does NaNoWriMo, which is the national... No, uh, uh, November writing month, uh, something like that. Anyway, that they uh, um, that it's just the biggest and the hardest thing is just to sit down and write. But that's the thing you need to do. Put that first draft down because then you can look at it, you can edit it, or you can give it to somebody. And you know, like with me, if I ever do anything creatively, it's like look at this, but don't tell me anything about it. But maybe try to help me out a little bit. I don't know how this works, but help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is it is a scary thing because even if you're doing if you're writing and you're thinking that someone else might look at it someday, that's the scary part. Like sitting and writing for yourself can be very therapeutic and a lot of people do that. It's fantastic. But then thinking, I might show this to someone. These are words that I put together and just by showing it to them. I mean, that's putting a little bit of yourself out there. Um, so I was pretty, I didn't realize I was going to be nervous because I was so thrilled that I was done with my first draft. And then I sent it to my beta reader and I was just like biting my nails for two weeks <laughs> afterwards. Just what if it's terrible? And I mean, I'm not expecting it to be the next Harry Potter or anything like that. I just wanted it to be like, it looks like a real book that belongs on real shelves well, next to other real books. And it was, that was what I was aiming for. But still yeah. it's, um, it's putting yourself out there. So it was it was nerve wracking. And um, I hope that you bought a later copy. But I think that you maybe you didn't because I found um, some typos that I updated since then. And now it's even <laughs> so if I didn't tell you that you probably wouldn't notice because they're very small. But um, I, will, I noticed I will probably <laughs> never notice um, because especially, especially when I'm reading, I'm getting more into the, I mean, the words and I'll just it, it's that sort of thing was like, I'm not going to notice those things because I really do get engrossed and really want to dive into that. I love that. That's fact. what an author hopes for <laughs> because yeah it's available on amazon you can go and look right now just search for the deliverers and suzanne ackerman but we've posted the links on all, all of our social media as well and 
I, I bought it immediately, and I ended up getting a, a, a soft cover, a paperback version. But there are a couple of hardcovers available as well, so it's very exciting to see all the different. And even if you just want to buy it on the Kindle because you've got a smart device, you can do so as well. A lot of different ways for you to get that. Uh, it was just, I, I was so excited as soon as I saw you post the link to it. I'm like, nope, I'm going to buy this immediately. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and oh, that I, makes me really happy. And and I mean, and it's a good book to boot too. Like you are a very good writer and I really love it. And just the fact that it's someone we know, that's like a bonus to it. Thank but, you. But at the same point in time, it's like anything for a little bit of escapism, even if it is dealing with what we're dealing with now, you get to look at it as like, yeah, that is the setting and what happens or what will happen or possibly in, you know, 10 years. Um, but at that same point, it's not a story about that. It's a story about Tuesday and what she's going through and a journey, adventure, mystery, because like you said, there are some uh, intriguing parts about her and uh, that will be coming to bloom as you continue on with the book. I am so glad you enjoyed it. That's exactly what I was going for. So I'm <laughs> glad that was to be conveyed. And I am just like over the moon that um, I'm getting good feedback on it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your your support. Kind words. No worries. No worries. I mean, like, seriously, like you're a good friend, but also like I'm going to tell it to you truthfully, you know, to be perfectly honest. Like, yes, it, because that's what a writer needs as well. Absolutely. So getting that feedback is always a great thing. Everybody should go to Amazon, pick up the deliverers, help Suzanne out, let her know how she feels about all of this. And yeah, uh, I, hopefully more adventures will be coming along with Tuesday. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> she may have a sequel coming down the line. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much for being on with us. Thank you so much for having me. Again, Suzanne Ackerman, the book is The Deliverers, and again, it's a fun read, and get it, have some fun out there, and it just proves that, you know, if you want to write a book, what do you got to do? Sit down and write. Work really, yep. really hard. Well, yeah, you got to work very, very hard, and uh, but at the same point in time, yes, it's just, you got to do it, and that's one of the biggest things when it comes down to just all of that. Just do it. Just do it! Now, moving on from that, I am getting excited for The Matrix Resurrections, uh, the fourth movie where they're going to uh, be uh, going back into The Matrix. Very confusing for some people because Morpheus is not Morpheus, but the Morpheus does have knowledge of the previous Morpheus. Really? Yeah, I've heard some reports of that. Um, so it is another iteration of Morpheus. And uh, so he does know how the Matrix works and the inner workings. I don't know if he knows that he was the uh, he's a reskin of the old uh, Morpheus or not, or even how they're going to be addressing that. But we did get a, the official synopsis for the Matrix resolutions eh, or resurrections, not resolutions, resolutions. <laughs> the Matrix resurrections. And it has shed a little bit more light on the upcoming film's plot, and including that this new version of the Matrix will be, quote, stronger, more secure and more dangerous than ever before. The synopsis was shared on WB's awards page, where it offers up a For Your Consideration section for the Matrix Resurrections cast and crew in anticipation for the upcoming awards season, which is interesting because something like this, usually sci-fi movies, doesn't they don't necessarily do amazing in uh, during the award seasons for the Golden Globes or the Oscars or stuff like that, because a lot of the times critics will just think they're fluff fair. Now... Considering how revolutionary The Matrix was, the first three movies, well, I know definitely the first one, and people will argue about the other two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see why they're doing that, but also it doesn't hurt just to throw that out there. Now, 
The synopsis says, in a world of two realities, everyday life and what lies behind it, Thomas Anderson will have to choose to follow the white rabbit once more. Choice, while an illusion, is still the only way in or out of the Matrix, which is stronger, more secure, and more dangerous than ever before. So like I said in the beginning right there, boom, it's out there. And it's just the synopsis. And it everything on this just seems like, especially in a show like The Matrix, um, where they're really taking a lot of that technological jargon, like the reboot. And when we talk about reboots of movies, they don't directly acknowledge it. Where I feel in something like this, they have to, because it's all based on like the programming and computer world. And if you're in the internet, and in, uh, in, you know, not in the internet, but have uh, experienced it and are in the know with it, you kind of understand what these terminologies are going to mean in terms of uh, the technological aspect. And they have to address that because of how the thing is built. I just I just remember seeing the meme where it's like, what, they're trying to tell me that the Matrix is bad? No, no, like, frost my tips and send me back into the Matrix. <laughs> I mean, it's way better than this crap. I'm ready. And it, it just goes along the same lines as something along the lines of, like, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 and any of those. You're getting into this weird technological dystopian future, which has a lot of intrigue and sway for people along the lines of, like, Blade Runner and such. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what this plot is actually going to be. I wonder if my, my uh, premonition... My uh, attempt at guessing what the plot will be was uh, is going to come correct of them having to pull Neo out of his fantasy of trying to save Trinity, who's still locked in the Matrix because she's it, now a program. That'll be interesting to see on that as well because, yeah, the whole big diversion in the architect, and sometimes a lot of people forget, even with the architect, his explanation of everything and how it was going, I think in the second movie, where it was most of the iterations of Thomas Anderson, of the aberration, the anomaly, would save humanity uh, because his love of humanity, but Neo's, his was his love for Trinity, which is the reason why he went to go save her as opposed to all of the people everywhere. Um, and that really changed everything when it came down to the Matrix and kind of took it off into the weird direction it went. So the fact that it's even around still and that it's more secure than ever, the fact that we do have agents again, like all of this seems very interesting because it's not a remake it's not a reboot it's the fourth one but again it's called resurrections because it's that weird sort of soft rebootish sort of thing it seems like they're going to try to jam all the characters from the first three movies into this one movie yeah and it'll be again it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do it i love the matrix i love all three of the movies so you can send your hate elsewhere but <laughs> so i'm down for this to see where it goes yeah, I, ugh, the only part I'm going to miss is Agent Smith. Man, I hope whoever replaces him as the main bad guy or whoever. He was, I mean, yeah, he was amazing at it. Just the fact that he just does not want to revisit those things. I mean, we can just get the guy who did the Red Skull in... Uh... Oh, yeah, Mars, Mar, uh, Ross Marquand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That would be so funny. He's just like, no, I'm the, uh, I'm, the new, uh, I'm the new Agent Smith, and I'm the new Red Skull, and I'm all the new ones on that. That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, now it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? Guess what time of year this is. And if you can't guess, then what the hell's wrong with you? Um, Ooh. Thanksgiving. Spooky season! Oh, fine, yeah, spooky season. We still got to get through that before we can have our turkey. So I'm a, I'm a little disappointed because I have oh. a blackboard in my house. And I wrote, happy fall, all the things I want to do for the fall season. And most of these, you know, are before Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I want to go to a haunted house or a haunted corn maze. I'm not picky either or. Fair enough. I want to go pumpkin patch. I want to carve pumpkins. Yeah. I, you know, like all these different things. Have a movie night. Watch some Halloween movies. 
but I haven't done any of these. Um, oh. You've got like six days until Halloween. You know that, right? I Oops. know. Okay. Because I, I know you know. I know you know because I've seen your inflatables on your porch. <laughs> like you are ready for this. I need more inflatables. I got Do a you? kitty witch, little <laughs> witch hanging off with a cat uh, with the witch hat, and then I got my baby Yoda holding a little uh, pumpkin with the Mandalorian face on it. Anywho. <laughs> But everyone's like, let's watch Halloween movies, and they all want to watch, you know. The slashers, the slashers, terrifying ones, you know, the scary Halloween ones. or Scream, which, I mean, I've seen some of these, and I don't like watching them. <laughs> but I do love certain Halloween movies. Okay, what do you got then? And, yeah, Cinema Blend came out with the best list because it has all the best Halloween movies, in my opinion. Oh, and where and that you can scre- uh, you can actually stream all of these right now. Oh, that's even that's even better then. And one of them that I'm very, very excited about because I don't, th- I feel like it's been a hot minute since I've seen them because there's multiple, not versions, but they have multiple, like the first one, second one, third one. And it is Halloween Town, the series, which was a Disney series. Oh. There are movies and it's, um, you're basically following the legend of the Cromwell family, which is a group of witches that descends generations. And it mainly follows the story and training of their newest witch, the group, Marnie Cromwell. And it's one of those, like, I, I don't remember the uh, the actress's name who plays uh, Marnie, but I follow her on TikTok, and she's freaking <laughs> hilarious to this day. And she ended up falling in love and getting married to an actor from one of the movies, too, so even cooler. But the cool thing about this movie, or the, the movie series or franchise or whatever, is that her grandmother, who is Aggie Cromwell, is played by Debbie Reynolds, uh, or the late Debbie Reynolds. And she is phenomenal. Oh. This is one of those, if you, like, this movie came out, the first one, in 98 the last one was in 2006. So this is very much a millennial movie series. Um, it, it just makes me, like, it just this nostalgia. It came out, it was one of those Disney movies, like, made-for-TV movies, I believe. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. And you can stream it right now on the whole series on Disney+. And you can actually rent it on Amazon if you would like as well. Oh, good. So there's at least a couple of different ways you can get it. Mm-hmm. Another one that I see everyone wearing sweaters and everything for, and I'm here for it, is Hocus Pocus. Oh, you say sweaters for, I'm like, uh, what, Nightmare on Elm Street? Well, that You too. would love that, Vicky. <laughs> no, I keep seeing, like, all the Hocus Pocus theme hoodies and stuff, I and know, I'm just I've so seen excited. And you know what? That it's, movie- It's so quotable. Yeah, it's quotable. It is a classic, and every time I hear somebody say that they've never seen it, I'm legitimately surprised. It's fun to go back and watch these movies as an adult, because I, I, it was many years ago that I watched it, and then I watched it again for the first time last year, and it's like, it's just, it's still good. It, mm-hmm. are, is the like the CGI and stuff crappy? I mean, it was 93, so. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, is what it is. It exactly, but at that same point, you've got some stellar actors in this movie, and. Got Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, it's Kathy n- uh, Nijami, I believe. And it's it's not terrifying. It's a little no. bit scary. In some parts. If you're a little bit, if you're, if you got a younger audience, uh, you or Vicky, you can be a little bit scared by it. But at the same point, it seems to be um, more of more of like good, yeah, Yeah. more good fun, good natured scaring. Oh look, another glorious morning makes me sick. (laughs) (laughs) Bette Midler really just goes all out for it, and it's based. If you guys don't know what Hocus Pocus is, it's uh, based on these three witch witches that are sisters um, that inadvertently are resurrected by a teenager in Salem on Halloween night. Whoops. Because he was a virgin and they don't stop letting him know that he was a virgin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's right. And uh, shenanigans ensue. It's 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 really fun. I really like it. Uh, another one that I feel like every goth and emo kid from the 2000s holds near and dear to their heart, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Both a Halloween and a Christmas movie. 
I think. It can absolutely be both. Which I've also used that as a theme for a Christmas uh, party once because I really wanted to dress up in Halloween costumes. <laughs> so, like, it's my nightmare before Christmas party. So come in your Christmas sweaters or your Halloween costumes <laughs> if you want to wear it again and get your money's worth out of that $80 costume. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. But, I mean, who hasn't seen Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, come on. We all uh, have in here, right? On. Yes. I was going to be right. very disappointed. That's what I was about to say. If Joe's like, I haven't uh, seen it. I've like, been with Danny enough times. Okay, right. there you go. Yeah, Who yeah, is yeah. the guy I work with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our yeah, buddy Danny who wears Nightmare Before Christmas He's stuff He's got a tattooed on him. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He does. Uh, both Hocus Pocus and Nightmare Before Christmas are also on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you can rent, I believe, Dis- uh, Nightmare Before Christmas on Amazon as well. Another one that I actually don't think I've seen all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces. Oh, really? It is called Monster House. Oh, I don't know that one. So this one came out in 2006. It's an animated CGI movie, and it's about a group of young, you know, tweens that are being terrorized by the sentient house during Halloween. So the house is like the monster itself. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing the commercials for this one. And they're saying, like, this article saying, I don't think that the monster house is for super young kids because it's also classified as a, quote, horror film, but older kids could easily enjoy it without being too freaked out. Steve Buscemi voices in it, Maggie mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal, John Heater, Jason Nick Cannon. Lee. Yep. Nick Cannon, too. Wow. Yeah. Nick Cannon. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great cast. You can stream it on Netflix as of now, rent it on Amazon. Another one, another Disney movie. It was one of those made-for-TV Disney movies, Twitches. I remember, I think I saw a bit of it. It's Is that like Teen Witches? Teen Witches. Ah, uh, I figured it out. With... Tia and Tamara Mari. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. So one of those, as well as Paranorman. I've heard about that oh, one. Paranorman cracks me up. I've seen, it's one of those movies I've seen, like, chunks. I haven't seen the whole thing all at once, but I've seen chunks, <laughs> so I know how it ends and stuff. It's actually very progressive. There's, a very, like, a quick scene that I'm like, oh, I like that. It's it's different because it's not what you're expecting, like, from oh. these movies. And you're like, that's... That's pretty awesome. But That's nice. It's a stop motion animated film and the story tells a young That's is about right. a young boy who takes on ghosts, zombies and grown-ups and tries to save his Massachusetts town from centuries old curse or a centuries old curse. And this person says they really like Paranorman because it has an interesting animation style. It kind of yeah, it doesn't look like a Tim Burton-esque. It's you know, it's got that stop motion vibe to it mm-hmm. obviously because it is. Um, I, I can't really put it in any category specifically, though, which is really cool. Um, it's perfect setting for a spooky family flick vibe aesthetic. It's got a great voice cast. You got like Anna Kendrick, Casey Affleck, John Goodman, which anytime John Goodman's in a, like does his voice in anything, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> but you can also stream that on Netflix and rent it on Amazon. Thanks, Netflix. Yeah, right. Another one, The Haunted Mansion, when they came out in 2003 with Eddie Murphy. Another I, one. I actually haven't I seen that, that one. one. hasn't been great. Like, I mean, some people really dig it. I all don't right. know. I guess maybe kids. It's perfect for kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if they have this on there, but the 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 house with the clock in its walls. Oh, God. is that the one with Jack Black? Yeah. My, my wife and I watched that. It's a fairly recent one. We went Within to the, the theaters. the last couple years, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, clock in the walls, it kind of seems like, oh, maybe it's kind of steampunky. It's more of a spooky adventure, but we really enjoyed it as adults and it felt like it was something like basically if you're like if your kiddo's like eight or nine or above I think you'll be okay with it and if they're okay with uh, slightly spooky things and uh, with Haunted Mansion I feel like it's they said that like it has a lot of one liners for kids and adults so Mm -hmm. who knows I haven't seen that one also Disney Plus situation E.T. who who hasn't seen E.T. 
I mean, I haven't seen this as a kid, but I remember Joe. loving it. <laughs> oh, I, I've seen E.T. Not a huge fan, but I've seen it. Fair I know, enough. I'm just... It's, uh, you got itty, itty, bitty Drew Barrymore. I think yep. that's adorable. Mm-hmm. But E.T. you can watch on Peacock, rented on uh, Amazon as well. The first movie we ever owned on DVD. We got a DVD player. On DVD. And I remember like, oh my God, it's not a VHS. It's a D- we got a DVD player. Oh my <laughs> so God, guys. Fancy. I watched this movie over and over and over again over the course of like a couple of weeks. Like literally it would end and I would watch it again because there's no rewinding. You just hit play again. <laughs> Scooby-Doo the movie. Yeah. It came out in 2002. It's the one that has, um, how am I blanking on his name right now? Matthew Lillard? Yeah, Matthew Lillard, who has played probably one of the best Shaggies ever. Oh, the best Shaggy, uh, if I do say so. I mean, the CGI is, it's it's goofy. The whole movie is silly, but I love it. But it's got, it's Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, like mm-hmm. some some big names now. And even at the time they were big, because Sarah Michelle had just come off of Buffy. Like, Buffy. And I'm not sure if Freddie Prince had been doing thing big at the time, but he's still a pretty big name, especially if you're into gaming. Like he does board gaming and video gaming stuff. Really? Too. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. know they're still together and I think that's adorable. Mm-hmm. But if you're wanting to stream Scooby-Doo, the movie, it's on HBO Max. You can rent it on Amazon. One I don't know. It just came out, I guess, last year. A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Huh. Uh, it's a Netflix original film. It's all about Kelly Ferguson, a babysitter who is on a mission to find the child in her care who was kidnapped by the boogeyman on Halloween night. So discovering a society of child protecting babysitters and an entire world of monsters. I might have to watch this. This sounds interesting. Yeah. I have not heard of it. So if you guys have, please let us know how what it's like. Honorable mention. It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. <laughs> that one you will need Apple TV for. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, like, it's it's worth watching on that. And I mean, even at that point in time, I know that you can watch, like, all of the Treehouse of Horrors Mm -hmm. with The Simpsons, which are... Which on Disney Plus? Yes. Yes. A little bit scary, obviously, but it's also Simpsons vibe. A little bit gross. Again, cartoon Simpsons vibe. So if you've got a kid, probably 10 or above, that would be fine for them on that. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.